episode 305 of the Global From Asia podcast. Talking more PPE trading. Is it the new crypto? Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Thank you, everybody, for choosing to download and listen to Global From Asia podcast up to episode 305 here in early May of 2020. Hopefully you're still enjoying this many years from now. And it's, uh, you know, it's been almost over a month now. I've been back in my wife's hometown, Shenyang, of course, was the first couple of weeks in the hotel quarantine. And now I'm in the in-laws. So still keeping these content, keeping this podcast going weekly. It's uh, something we try to keep our best to keep going here. This week is talking about PPE wave, you know, this, this insanity. I said in a little intro clip, you know, is it the new crypto? I talked to a lot of media people and writers in the Wall Street Journal. I talked to people, all these different, uh, different journalists, you know, in China, around the world, all the time. They're finding me online and asking me. And some of them said, this seems like the same kind of people that were doing ICOs and crypto. So I don't know what do you think of that, but today's guest we have Mo or Mohammed is his full name, but I know him as Mo. He's come to our cross border summit back in 2016, I believe, or 17, and many other events and in our community. Really nice guy, really really amazing guy from Holland, and he's uh, him and I are on similar wavelength a lot. So we've been chatting, you know, during this pandemic nightmare, and he was in China the whole time. He's been in China many, many years, but he hasn't even left mainland China since last almost summer, maybe I think September. And he's also an import-export game. He's he's a part of a factory in Guangzhou. So he's ridden the wave of this PPA trading. That's what I call today's show. And we have this interesting conversation. We, we still keep in touch even after the interview. I will also share some other stories in our blah, blah, blah session after the interview. So if you want to hear some more stories that him and I have been talking about, as well as others that are really insane, like really crazy. It feels like it's got to be scams, a lot of these. So we really got to remember this stuff, this PPE is meant to get to hospitals and doctors and nurses, people on the front lines, right? But we're talking to crazy people all around the world that, I don't know, maybe they're just uh, don't have a job, don't have anything to do, and they're, they're, they're seeing opportunities to, to trade this stuff. But uh, Mohammed deals with a lot of it. He's, he's uh, in his factory, he started doing thermometers, so he gets lots of insights of people contacting him. I'll share some other stories he told me after. So without further ado, let's get into the show. Also, you know, we have load pipe, and we started in this PPE stuff. So if you want to do group buys with us, as well as webinars and others, sign up for a closed beta at loadpipe.com. We're working hard to make that a way to organize these kind of chaotic times. Let's tune into the interview now. All right, everybody. We are having some more and more of these gfavip.com private calls. It's, it's, uh, it's great. I mean, honestly, we're just focusing on private small groups of people on calls talking about specific topics. We're getting some of our podcast guests coming back 
for our uh, like an encore session to talk about their topic more to our private members and it supports this community you know if you enjoy this show if you enjoy what you're doing and you want to connect with more people in a smaller environment i'd love to have you join it's application only we don't want to just let anybody in but go to gfavip.com and check it out i'd love to see you there all right thank you everybody for choosing to listen to another global from asia podcast uh, i've been excited to get get our guest today on on we've we've got to know each other through the community over the last few years and we've met quite a few times and we've been in touch on you know throughout the years so it's a, it's my pleasure to invite mohammed Barakal onto the show and uh, thanks for having me uh, thanks for coming on mohammed yeah oh. no thank you for inviting me glad to be here so a little bit of background uh, you know you're you're in Fo- i believe foshan city down in the Okay. Guangdong, or do you want me to uh, give us some? Yeah. So uh, I I live in Foshan, but my company is in Guangzhou, so I commute between uh, Foshan and Guangzhou on a daily basis. Yeah, my my company is in Guangzhou. Uh, yeah, oh. I don't know what else you want me to. Uh, okay. Tell. I mean, I could, I could. <laughs> yeah. So of course, people know. I'm assuming you know those are chi- cities in South China. Of course, I think most people know Guangzhou, and uh, Foshan is a city also right next door, and. So you you've been in how long have you been in China now? You're you're originally yeah. you're from Holland originally, right? And yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm from Amsterdam. Uh, I first came to China in 2012, but I've been living in China since uh, 2015, so about five years now. Okay, exciting, man. And a lot has changed today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much we should talk about. Honestly, maybe we can hear a little bit about your own business experiences, and uh, maybe hopefully we can touch on that today. But uh, you know, we were. We're uh, we're in touch often, and and today I thought it would be interesting to have you. You've been in China since this whole pandemic started, and uh, through the whole thing, and um, so I kind of titled this topic, you know, riding the wave of this PPE market mania. Um, from your perspective, living in China as a, as a foreigner, business owner, a business person, and uh, we were going to say before I started recording, but. When have how long? When was the last time you were out of China? Maybe we'll start with that. You, you know, you been, you moved here in two thousand fifteen. You've been there first time. Yeah, so I've, yeah, I've been I've been the last time I moved out of China was in September. Uh, September I went to uh, I think it was Malaysia. Okay. So I've been in China since September. Wow. So that's that's there's no question. That's a long time. So I think no matter what article or politician or news media you listen to that was all before any of this covid i think maybe some people said september yeah. but i don't think any i don't think most people say it's maybe early as october but i don't think anybody said anything yeah the first time no the first time i read something about it was in december but back then it was just like some some virus in some uh, animals they found and just something very small and uh, no one really paid attention to it including myself, which is like, oh, I mean, this happens all the time. Yeah, And then in uh, January, the first time I read is like they say it can be like, you know, transmitted from animals to humans. And uh, so I was, I was like, okay, so this is starting to get a bit scary. So I asked my friends in, in Wuhan and they were like, no, don't, uh, you know, don't read that fake news. Uh, nothing's going on. Everything is fine. Uh, people like to exaggerate things. And that's also kind of what I thought about it, just like just being a bit exaggerated. And then slowly things start to get more intense and more heated. 
but it was still uh, there's like it's in Hubei, it's in Wuhan, it's far away, it's it's still okay, and then everything exploded. Yeah, I know. So I'll put my my spot too. Like I remember, like you, I think you and I are similar. I remember December hearing reading about it somewhere, very vaguely, because I had come back to China from Thailand in the end of December. Very end, like December twenty second, I came back to my wife's hometown here, and I remember reading it in some kind of news articles. Like you said, nobody said it was a big deal. And in January, I flew out of China, January eighth, I think, from my, and there was nothing. Nobody was talking. I think it's like you. Like everybody says, not a big deal. Don't worry. Um, so I went down to the Philippines. So it's, uh, but I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So you stuck around for Chinese New Year. A lot of times, especially us foreigners, we get out of here because it's so quiet. But you were yeah. you were planning to stick around for Chinese New Year. Yeah. Well, what happened actually is why sister-in-law was about to get married uh, in Chinese New Year, so that's why we stuck around. Oh, I see. And uh, I actually traveled to Yunnan, uh, and I was on the road when the lockdown happened. So, like when we left, we thought it's still okay. It's not that bad. And I, I drove the car to Yunnan, and like on the way, all of a sudden, like you know, the, the panic broke out, and uh, Hu, uh, Wuhan was in lockdown, and we were like busy driving. And then we arrived in, uh, in Yunnan for the wedding, and the wedding was supposed to be like in two or three days. And then the government says no weddings allowed. Uh, and then basically, you know, uh, all of China got into lockdown, and then I was stuck in Yunnan for a month. Wow, you were! I didn't even know that. So you yeah. you couldn't even travel, right? I couldn't even go back. Yeah, and foreigners were not allowed to stay in a hotel, uh, so I had to stay in the house with my in-laws for one month. Oh, oh yeah. Well, it's kind of like okay. me now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a similar. Wow. So you known for a month in the in-laws, like uh, we have very similar situations then, and so then I guess that must have been. I think January. We had another. We had another interview with Hugh Bell. He's he's another foreigner. He's in Chengdu, and he was. He says it was like right at Chinese New Year dinner, like right around the actual like. Right yeah, when Chinese yeah. New Year it was, was like happening. January twenty third, I think, or twenty yeah. fourth. I can't remember, but exactly like the time of Chinese New Year. So. I remember being in the Philippines and reading. Uh, maybe it was YouTube videos, but they were saying it's gonna get crazy because all these Chinese people, it's going to be like the biggest amount of traveling in the world, right? The Chinese New Year holidays. Yeah. And that's right when the virus was spreading. So all these people brought it everywhere. That's what I remember reading about. So, yeah. but you had, yeah, I, I don't know the exact number, but I read that like around 5 million people left to Wuhan, like they were traveling out of Wuhan in that time. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, you know, I don't want to get into conspiracy so, theories. Yeah. I'm not a fan of conspiracy, but obviously yeah, if no, you want no, to spread no, a virus, no. you'd put it in one of the very popular areas right before a major travel season. So yeah, people, the timing is just horrible. Absolutely yeah, horrible. Yeah, it's timing. unbelievable how it, so it's, yeah. so a month. So then you were like, so I guess mid, like January, like most of February, you were also in your wife's hometown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was there until um, almost the end of February. It's so and crazy, then, uh, though. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. 
you couldn't stay in a hotel because you're a foreigner. Like that was was yeah, that yeah, all yeah. of China or was that just your like that small? It seems like a smaller area or less. Well, it was in Kunming. It's uh, Kunming is a big city. Well, I mean, for us, it's a big city. For China, maybe not that big. Four million people, but <laughs> yeah. And uh, no, it was in many places in China. I, I like from what, what I recall. But for Kunming, I know for sure. Uh, but other places, uh, I've heard, but I'm not sure. Mm. And that's also like one of the reasons, like eventually when uh, like Foshan opened up again, uh, I had to drive back and uh, it's like a 1500 kilometer drive. And I just drove it in one go because there's nowhere else to stay. And I'm, I was too afraid to stop anywhere. And also if I got out of the highway, uh, maybe it would be quarantined or not allowed in or I can't stay in a hotel. So I just left early in the morning and arrived late at night. Okay. And yeah. so let's talk about this whole PPE mania, because you know. So you 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 uh, you are honestly. I I know you do quite a few different things, like us, like me, and many other listeners. But you are also in the manufacturing. You're in the manufacturing world, right? In yeah. Guangdong, you're right in Foshan, Guangzhou. It's like a manufacturing capital of the world of China and the world. So what? What started happening with this whole manufacturing industry? Because I, I remember being in talking to people about not being able to make products in China because of the virus. So that one month there was no, I guess the yeah, Chinese yeah, New Year yeah. too, but what was happening with manufacturing at that time? Yeah, so, well, uh, our factory was not allowed to open until March 1st. Uh, so like we had, like back then, uh, the rest of the world wasn't affected yet. Uh, and I had like customers who kept pushing because they wanted to get their orders, but the factory is closed. There's nothing we could do. Plus, I was stuck in another province. Uh, and also, a lot of our workers were stuck as well. So there was like nothing we could do. And then when we came, uh, uh, I came back and our factory opened like March 1st. But then we had the, the problem that a lot of our suppliers, they couldn't open yet because a lot of their workers were from, uh, from Wuhan or from Hubei. Yep. Uh, so then we had two problems. Is the, First of all, our, our supplies... Uh, became a lot more expensive and uh, a lot of our uh, factories or our supplies, they couldn't deliver in time or they couldn't deliver at all because they didn't have enough workers or their factory couldn't open yet, or they just had uh, orders, but not enough workers to uh, finish it all in time. So we had to cancel the orders we had basically because we couldn't deliver. And then when everything started to get back to normal, the rest of the world, started to get infected and no more orders <laughs> yeah <laughs> almost yeah. no more i think like almost 80 percent of our orders were canceled yeah so, so that's when we uh i don't know if you want to share what what kind of product or category were you ma making oh yeah so so we make uh digital displays uh, like advertising displays uh like you know the screens you see at the airport bus stations uh you know outside on the roads also like you see them in the kfc and yeah, um, yeah. the interactive the interactive whiteboards you know oh, like cool. you see them like in companies for the conference rooms or for teaching yeah. so those are the products that we uh, that we make yeah okay so i can see that not being so so needed in this nightmare i mean of course a lot of a lot of products so i'm trying to, so this whole transition like you're, you're leading towards in this talk right so you originally like many others manufacturing in China had all the foreigners or Westerners or people 
from around the world pushing you and other factories to make the product quick because they need it for their markets. But then the virus goes global and then the whole world yeah. kind of flipped upside down. So yeah. I also want to make sure I ask because we're talking about PPE. So I remember we've, we were chatting and you said you actually were helping Chinese companies import PPE or like masks into China when it was in China. Uh, maybe we can share yeah, a little so bit about when- that. So yeah, so when the when the whole virus thing broke out, I mean, there were like two problems. The first problem is like everyone needed a mask in China, and the second problem was is all the most factories were closed, uh, so they didn't have enough uh, supplies. And a lot of the factories who make PPE are in Hubei in Wuhan, so that's another problem. So it was very hard to get masks. So I actually had like a lot of. Uh, friends or Chinese, I know they would, they would literally just fly to Malaysia, fly to Thailand, fly to Korea, fly to Japan, and just come back with suitcases filled with uh, with masks. I mean, this I'm talking about the, just like people who sell on WeChat and things. Uh, but it was it was really crazy, really hard to get masks at that time. And the prices, I mean, a box of uh, the three-ply masks was like 10 or 20 RMB. I'm talking a box of 50 pieces. And then when the virus broke out, like people were paying five RMB a mask. You know, for one, it was absolutely uh, crazy. And then, like some, uh, then like slowly, uh, companies start to open up, especially like in the medical field. And they were trying to source uh, the non-woven fabric, uh, sourcing masks, and also the especially non-woven fabric to make it here in China. And I was just helping them to source some from uh, Russia, Turkey, and other places. And it was just absolutely crazy how fast those just like those prices were uh, going up at that time. I mean, now it's even more crazy, but like mm-hmm. uh, prices were like doubling almost every day. It was absolutely insane. Yeah. So I'll just recap here what I, well, I took some notes too, but honestly, I, I don't even know how much masks cost before this. I uh, wasn't obviously like many wasn't looking or involved. So you're saying it's like 10 to 20 RMB a box of, how many like three ply those blue 50 ones? pieces 50 pieces yeah, yeah those, those, those cheap ones you know yeah those disposable ones they were, they were like super cheap unbelievable but then probably probably starting into mid mid january or late january they started going crazy in china right so now in probably was in january when you were like at your in-laws you were helping people import well at first i just uh, i was just looking for myself me and my family, because I couldn't find them anywhere because it was sold out everywhere. It was like absolutely impossible to get any masks. Uh, so I was just, at first I was just looking for myself and then I found a lot of people who were just like flying them in. God. And they were just, the prices were crazy. And then after that, people started to contact me if I could help them source from Europe or other places. Got it. And I don't know, I'm thinking of listeners, but even myself, uh, how are... How were people, are anybody able to fly in and out at that time? That's kind of what's crossing my mind as you're saying people are bringing well, in Well, at that time, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, uh, there wasn't a lockdown yet. And oh. it was basically only Hubei. It was only Hubei, Wuhan, oh. Hubei. But the rest of China, it was still, everyone was just traveling in and out. I see. Now I understand. Yeah. It was, it was at the beginning. Which... I mean, Which was the, the restrictions were, were much, much later. You know, it was like end of January. Like, 
Like okay, so yeah, January twenty fourth so until January thirtieth, exactly. something like this. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't in China at the time, so I'm not. I was also mostly talking to my wife at the time, but so lockdowns only was in Wuhan, starting from like the twenty third, I think, of January. Yeah, yeah, it was first. It was first Wuhan, and then Hubei, and then also like around Hubei, and then it was. After that, it just started to go super fast. Well, I see. Interesting. And so, so now let's make this transition. I guess the lockdowns in China are ended, are opening, factories are reopening, and then everybody starts manufacturing PPE in China or selling and trading PPE, which is now like even your factory yeah. made a pivot. So, um, yeah, know. well, our, we, we still try to stay in the field of electronics. Like we make thermometers or the facial recognition display with thermometer or mm. thermo scanner inside of it. So like the products we make are still a little bit in line with our business because <laughs> okay. I mean, still electronics, you know, because the thermometer is still used like an LCD display and a main board and uh, the facial recognition thermo scanner, it's still like a, a display, but you just uh, with facial recognition software, but we just added the thermo scanner on it. Okay. So it's still a bit in line. I mean, it's not like we make face masks as well now, <laughs> but I know like a lot of uh, competitors of ours I and mean, they just, uh, literally like move their production lines aside and put the, the face mask machines in their factories. And like a lot of our competitors, like when I check their websites, I, I could just see like, like the whole PPE section. Yep. And I think listeners, yeah, yeah. just make sure we are listeners. I think probably have learned what PPE means is personal protective equipment, I think. Right. Like which technically means. Yeah. 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 It kind of, of course, everybody talks about masks, but it can also be the clothing, the th you know, anything about, yeah, the face shield, the goggles, the gloves. Yeah, all this insanity. So, yeah, so you guys started, yeah, it was good. You at least kept your core competency within the newer world of supply demand. So. Yeah, yeah we, we had to, I mean, because like our costs, of course, keep running. We need to pay the rent. We need to pay our workers. But our normal business just stopped, you know, so at least now with the thermometers and the facial recognition and thermo scanners at least we still have some business going on and we're able to keep our business alive sure so i don't know it's hard to always talk about pricing but um you gave some pricing earlier now i don't know if we want i could also put some of my insights of what i see in the market but what, what kind yeah, of pricing sure. i don't i guess just i'm just trying to give people an idea of how this like chart of price changed so yeah, well, it probably went even higher uh, when it went global, right? Like it was maybe just maybe like kind of like what your fee feeling was with the cost of a mask when it was only in China versus cost of a mask when it was overseas or global. I I'm sure it went a lot more. I don't know if kind of give us an yeah, idea. Yeah, I, I can I can I can give an example. For example, the thermometers. Uh, I mean, like a thermometer, like before the whole virus thing. I mean, I'm talking about the. The wholesale price uh, for a finished good was around five to seven dollars, whereas now it's twenty-five to thirty dollars. You know that's that's a huge difference. Yeah, it's really nuts. Yeah, it's it's really uh, it's really a lot. Yeah, like I said, also the the three ply mask. I mean, it used to be just uh, I'm talking retail prices now uh, for the for the face mask. Like in China, you pay like ten to twenty RMB. It kind of depends which type you bought. So let's say 20 RMB for 50 pieces, whereas now retail price, people are paying, 
uh, I don't know, three to five RMB for one. Yeah, I think I see it in the stores in Shenyang for like a hundred RMB a box of fifty, which is like fifty. Yeah, now, now, now because it's like the government sponsored and like this in China, it's okay now. It's like a hundred. In in my firm, it says a hundred fifty RMB. Okay. hundred fifty RMB for fifty pieces, uh, which comes to how much? It's still like, it's like three RMB for one. Yeah, it's three RMB for one. Which is like fifty cents US. Yeah, about which is yeah roughly seven seven and a half times more than it used to be. Yeah, but it makes sense. I mean, if you look at the the rough the non-woven fabric they use, I mean, like pre-virus, I, I I don't know exactly. I think it was just like two and a half thousand dollars per ton, whereas now the prices are up to fifty thousand dollars a ton. You know, it's 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 ludicrous. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, we have to we had to realize this. Like, yeah, it's good you brought that up. It's not just about I guess there's a lot to of price, but you know whether it's this PPE nightmare or anything in the world, like raw material, oil costs, transportation costs, labor costs. Yeah, you know all of that is transportation is much more expensive. The raw materials are a lot more expensive, and a lot of factories they had to hire new workers because the workers were stuck in uh, in Hubei. But still, of course, the factories are making a lot of money. It's it's really, yeah. <laughs> we can't deny that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Of course, they have their margin. Uh, you know, like, let me, I'm just trying, let's, I'm trying to make a date for when it really went nuts. I was in the Philippines. I remember having a nice dinner with uh, somebody else in the community, Andy Lee. You might have met him in the community, but he was visiting from Singapore. We were having a nice dinner in Manila with some of my colleagues at Alpha Rock. And that was literally like March 10th or something like that. Like, I don't know exact date, but it was like the second week of March. And we were not talking about this at all. Like, maybe it was like 8th or 9th of March. Something like this. Look at the calendar. Maybe it was ninth, ninth Monday or Tuesday. Uh, we were not talking about any of this. Like, we we were not thinking we weren't going to be able to travel. He was traveling back to Singapore in a couple of days. Other people were traveling like soon. Somebody else was going to Sweden soon. Like, there was no no nobody. Nobody was thinking that the world was going to be shut down, and that was like the second week of March. Uh, I, I I went on the thirteenth that later that week on Friday. The 13th to, uh, no, the 12th, just a couple days after that, I went to uh, an island called Bohol, like a small little island you might know in Philippines for a retreat for the team, and everything shut down. Literally, like, it was like the middle of March when I, my world just shut down, like nothing could work anymore. So I, I don't know if that was when the pricing went crazy. I don't know if you can remember as clearly as I can, because that was when I remember the virus being, like, taken seriously about middle of March. Well, uh, okay, so basically there are two, two separate things here. The first thing is like, yeah, uh, in the middle of March, it's about when the whole world went crazy. Like in our experience, the beginning of March, we were finding like, okay, it's over. We can get back to business. Everything is going back to normal again. We started talking with customers again about uh, orders and things. And then all of a sudden, uh, we started to hear about Italy and, uh, and Spain getting infected, especially the situation. Italy was very bad. And then after that, the whole whole world exploded. But the prices actually uh, they got crazy already uh, before that, uh, when it was in, uh, uh, in China. At that time, uh, the prices were already like really, really high. Because, I mean... If you look at I me, mean, China has what 1.4 billion people. Mm. I mean, even if we take all of Europe and the USA combined, their their demand is still smaller than all of China. 
you know. So when it exploded in China, I mean, the demand from China was just absolutely crazy. Yeah. So I think that's what skyrocketed the prices. And after that, the, the gap was very short. So, uh, I mean, I think the prices maybe have increased even more now because the, uh, the demand in China is still here. But uh, yeah, I think it was middle of March that, yeah, let's it's like the second round, in my opinion. Like first, for the first round was China, the second round is like the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah, feels like it. I mean, but, for me, yeah. I'm... Also, I also okay. think, yeah, I I've, I've I've checked like a lot of factories, and I also see that it's like a lot of factories were registered like in the third or fourth week of March, just right after uh, it started to go crazy, you know. So it was like I don't know how many tens of thousands of new businesses opened up for PPE. And like a lot of them, if you check their business license, you like March 20th, March 24th, uh, et cetera, you know? And then it's like, I don't know. Yeah, like someone mentioned before, there were like 40,000 new factories in China just registered just to make face masks. You know, it's, it's crazy. Okay. Well, Chinese are good at one thing, finding opportunity, right? And moving fast. <laughs> I don't think anybody will question those, those points, right? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm looking at my notes here. Yeah, like you've also helped with some machines. I know people, a lot of people around the world want to make their own. Or sometimes they can't even buy overseas. Their countries or governments won't let them import. So people really want to start yeah. to make it themselves. But even those are expensive and hard to get, right, for overseas because you were talking about, maybe you can explain why. Yeah, well, first of all, they're a little bit hard to get is because just the demand is so high, like everyone is trying to, to uh, buy them. Uh, and yeah, a machine, of course, it takes more time to make than just a, than a mask. And it's also a bit harder. I mean, like the, the, the three-ply mask, I mean, you just buy a machine, you just need the fabric and you can start making it. But to make a machine, you need a much bigger factory and you need a mold and a uh, much bigger investment. So there are not that many factories who are capable of uh, uh, building the machines. So I yeah. think that's one of the reasons why it's uh, you know, harder to to buy. And of course, also buying a machine, I mean, buying one machine is usually not enough. I mean, if you really want to mass produce, you need several machines. And, and the machine is anywhere between like 50 to $100,000. Yeah. So that's, so you need, uh, quite a big investment to start doing that. Totally agree. I mean, but there are some people I talk to in the community in the network that are willing to buy it later when it gets normal, but they think for long term, they don't want to have to like have their community or their, their country or their people like, you know, stranded. Specifically, I'm thinking of the Philippines. Yeah. Because I have a lot of people, friends and colleagues in the Philippines and things like that. So it's just crazy. Damn. Yeah, I think that's one thing that will change for sure. I mean, like you, you see it happening now. It's like when it, uh, when the virus broke out, every country is trying to protect itself and uh, they're limiting the exports. And yeah. I mean, even the USA, they have a 3M factory in China, but they can't get their own goods yeah. because uh, China had limited the export at that time. And yeah. even in the EU, like different countries are confiscating uh, uh, shipments and things like this. So I think after this whole thing is done, like the, every country at least the bigger countries would have like a small, at least, you know, uh, some small factory to make these basic PP equipment. Like if anything ever happens again, that at least they have some supply of their own 
Okay. And so they won't be like 100% completely dependent on uh, import. Agreed. All right. Well, this is this has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks for sharing. And uh, maybe a little bit more about about you and what you're doing and how pe- if people can, can find you or connect with you in your business. Uh, yeah, of course. So, yeah, as I mentioned before, like we're in the, into the digital signage. Uh, and our main product actually is the interactive whiteboards or smart boards or however you want to call them. And uh, we were actually already busy developing like uh, a new type, a new model before the, the virus because we want to focus more on this product. Uh, but due to the virus, we see that actually the uh, demand for this is actually uh, much higher uh, or will be much higher than it is right now. Uh, but what we've seen is that for a lot of countries, a lot of people, that it's a bit expensive. Um, because if you want to have a decent interactive whiteboard, it would cost you a couple of thousand dollars. And let's say you have a company or a school and you want to put one in every classroom or in every meeting room. I mean, if you have 50, it will cost you at least $50,000 or more. Uh, so we did a lot of research uh, and we've made our own design and we've made now like kind of a, a budget interactive, which will probably be under uh, $500 uh, for our selling price. Interesting. Um, so yeah, so we hope to be able to contribute uh, contribute with that, especially to the lesser developed areas who can't afford buying a $5,000 or $10,000 interactive whiteboard. Yeah. Uh, so we're busy with that and uh, it will be ready probably in May and hopefully when the virus is over we can launch it and start pushing uh, pushing it. Okay, I'll just put some notes. If maybe send me your, however many people can connect with you like LinkedIn or, or something I can put in a show. Yeah, too. yeah they, can, uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. So uh, oh. Mohamed Berakal or they can go to our website at okay. bc and then hyphen electronic.com. So that's bc-electronic.com. Okay. Or they can just connect with me on uh, on LinkedIn and send me a message. Okay. Great. Got it. I'm putting it on the notes now so people can check it out. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Mohammed. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's, you've been on my list, and then you know you've been in, in the in the uh, I don't know what to say anymore. Chaos. Well, I guess we all have, but you've been like you've witnessed it on both sides, and you, you've been steadily yeah, in China yeah, yeah. the whole time. <laughs> So also another question, I guess I didn't bring it up, I sneak it in here, but we had another guest, Hugh Bell, a couple weeks ago, sharing about, the topic was fight or flight. Like he was considering, he's a Irish, and he was considering taking, he has a Hong Kongese wife and children, and he was thinking about going back to Europe. Um, he decided mm-hmm. not to. So you were not, did you ever consider leaving to maybe Holland or, or getting out of China at that any time? Yeah, well, actually, I have a lot of friends who left China at that time, and everyone was also pushing me to leave, but uh, me and my wife, we refused to leave, uh, mainly because uh, what if I'm infected or my wife is infected, and we go visit my family and my friends, and then we infect them as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so we just decided it's, uh, I mean, that's, and also I believe that's the the main cause for all of this chaos is everyone just starting to travel. I know. And I feel a lot like... of Chinese, a lot of Chinese left China and a lot of foreigners left China. Yeah. It uh, makes sense, right? They all spread it everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, yeah, no, we, we made the decision not to leave. So we really wanted to stay. Uh, I mean, it also, I mean, 
if we stay, I mean, inside, I'm inside my home, that's okay. But if I fly, I'm in an airplane with 300 people that I don't know and who might be infected yeah. as well. So it's more risk for us. It's more risk for my family back home if I go back to Holland. So Agreed. Uh, we didn't think it wise to, uh, to travel. So we decided to stay. Agreed. Yeah, for me, I flew back and uh, I'm wearing a mask and, and like there was everybody in suits. It was nuts. Everybody was, there was people with the face shields, the, the goggles, the, the masks, the yeah. blue suits. Like it was Hazmat freaking suits nuts. And, uh, it felt like those movies. That's surreal. It's, yeah, exactly. It really felt like a, like a movie. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, I hope, I hope, I hope uh, things turn around for all of us and uh, we can all get back on track. I know we've talked about that privately as well. So um, thanks for sharing your, your experiences and, and let's wish you and everyone else the best going forward. Yeah, I wish everyone uh, the best and I hope everyone and their families are safe and that everyone can make it through this calamity stronger and better than before. Definitely. We are considering an online version of CrossBorderSummit.com, but I'm getting mixed feedback from people that want to keep the brand as an offline, in-person event because it's just so valuable for the networking. It's not like a massive event where thousands of people come, but we're always going to keep it on a more smaller, higher level, higher value networking opportunity for people doing cross-border trade. But definitely keep the thing on your calendar. You know, we don't know when this lockdown will end, but we're, we have November 19th and 20th in Thailand on the calendar. Just pencil that in there. It would be great to see you. And uh, we are working hard to keep this community roaring. Thank you so much, Mo, Mohammed, for sharing. I, I learned some new insights there, and I hope everybody... You know, the year 2020 has been nuts. You know, I told you I came to Manila. I didn't know anything about, I think I heard about this virus, but it uh, didn't seem like a big deal when I was going to the airport to Manila in early January 2020. But this year, then it hit the volcano. And now all this insanity of this virus from the China side to the international side, it's really rocked, I guess, everybody, but especially this whole cross-border trading world that we're in. Still deciding when to do this cross-border summit. We might skip 2020, but if anything, it's November, so we got some time. Although we usually start planning more by now. It takes many, many months to plan those things. But So I said it would talk about in a blah, blah, blah session, but I think Mo mentioned it in the interview, but he's, you know, he's, he's in a factory. He works, he's a part of a factory. I mentioned, and they, they, as he said in the interview, they pivoted or temporarily do these digital thermometers in the PPE world. And he's saying he's getting people adding them on WeChat asking for 50 million thermometers for like say the Europe market or a government. They say they're an agent of a government and they need 50 million. So how much is that? 50 million times what's the price of a thermometer? You know, we're talking about billions of US dollars. So, you know, Mo, like many of us are getting kind of tired of these because you know anybody knows import export trading is b2b sales or sales business development a lot of it is a lot of relationship building and talking and getting to know each other and a lot of times the deals don't get through but i think a lot of people are last month or so have been just really getting overloaded with people with these crazy requests and they uh, by the time you finish answering all their questions they're they're when it's time to actually make the deal that's when they kind of disappear so it, a lot of people are getting sick and tired of that because maybe these people are just i don't know they're just trying to make deals. They're trying to get in the middle. They're, they're, they know the government they're, they're living in is looking for thermometers. So then they start going online looking for thermometer factories. They're trying to kind of be in the middle, trying to make some money. 
You know, I understand that. I do. I do. Honestly, we're all we're all entrepreneurs and business owners, and but you know, to to, to go so far. So what's happening with like many of these factors? They're asking for LOIs, letter of intent. They're asking for POF or proof of funds. They're just really sick and tired of these people all over the internet finding them and adding them and asking them for millions and millions of products for millions or billions of dollars. So it's just been insanity. Same with me. Same. I see this all the time. People saying they want. Uh, million, multi-millions of dollars, like 800 million masks and stuff like this. It just seems insane. And then it's it's it's, it's nuts because then sometimes you, you, the factor will ask for payment up front, you know, bank money in the bank before they can go to the factory, do a video call, see if there's even stock. It's, it's really insane times. And it just seems like there's got to be a lot of scams. You know, even governments we've heard in the news have gotten scammed because... There's some smart, fast-talking sales-style people that can maybe convince a factory and and say that they have this stock, pay me in this bank account, pay in the money, then all of a sudden they disappear. It's, it's really horrible. But I'm really scared because sometimes it uses our, you know, our reputations. You know, where, where are these connectors? Where are these people in the community? And things are happening so fast. And it, there is some truth to not having time. You know, if you do got to move, make moves fast... But I think we should all just be careful. I hope none of you have gotten into bad deals. And I just wish everybody the best in this. But, you know, Mo- Mohammed, I, I hope your factory gets a 50 million thermometer order. It seems, uh, I wonder what these people are, are thinking. I mean, how many thermometers would a country need? I mean, even in the, even in the U.S., 50, there's, what, 300 million people population. So let's just do the math, 300 divided by 50, that means one out of six people would need a thermometer. That seems like pretty high penetration for thermometers that you would scan when somebody enters a restaurant. So I hope there's not too many scammers. I hope these people go away. I mean, it's made our lives all nightmares because the export on the China side, the import in the other countries, just those legitimate people trying to do business and then there's a lot of these people trying to just scam the system which is especially sad in this pandemic nightmare um so i hope those people can find something else to do maybe they don't have anything else to do and they're trying to rip people off maybe that reporter's right you know it was a i shouldn't say which company but it was a reporter that was talking to me uh, for an hour on a call and then uh, honestly i should record those as podcasts but she was going on and on and saying that she feels like there's so many of these people just trying to jump in the middle of this, making some money, opportunists, similar to the ICO rush, similar to like the fidget spinners, similar to these other trends that pop in and out. Um, maybe I honestly feel like that is there is some truth to that. But um, I was also laughing with Mo on the call afterwards. We're just saying we got to have a nice steak dinner and some nice a really nice restaurant after all this nightmare and just talk about all of this insanity. He says he sent a whole bunch of thermometers from his factory to the to the export, you know, to the customs in China to export to a customer. And then they said the policy changed and there's some kind of new regulations and paperwork and procedure and they needed to send the thermometers back to his comp- company or his factory to do some new testing on it. And then by the time it got back to the factory, he says the customs in China says, oh, sorry, sorry, forget that. No, no need to do that. Just bring it back. So they're just trucking back and forth these products. Things are changing da- daily here. It's really nuts. It's, it's uh, Technically, it's the last day of April I record our intro and outro. 
but uh, we'll get into May. And uh, all these countries are just changing policies. It's almost, there's political reasons, there's face issues. You know, China doesn't want to keep getting bad press about bad quality, so they're making it harder. It, it's, it's really a, a nut, nuts. It's people I talked to have lot, lot, gained a lot of weight, lost a lot of weight, you know, plus everybody's stuck at home. Let's all just stay safe and uh, go back to listen to the last couple of shows with the transformation or the, you know, the search for Shangri-La. I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to calming things down soon. But right now, this PPE mania and wave riding is nuts. If any, anybody in the import-export world must be seeing this in their emails and on their communities. So... Stay safe. Don't lose your reputation. Think about the long term. But you can also get some pretty good relationships in this time, right? So make the most of it. Also check out loadpipe.com if you want to get in our community. It's private um, application only. But it would be cool to see you on some of our webinars. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, be safe out there. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.